Well, today is Christmas Eve, and we are completing our Advent journey, and we're also completing our Advent sermon series that's been called All I Want for Christmas. By now, most of us have probably about had it with the traffic, with the lines, with the stores, with the running around, uh, the commercials telling us what we need to buy, uh, people trying to convince us of what we need to buy. I was... um, in Target a couple of days ago over in West Nashville and uh, was walking through looking for a couple of things and I saw a, a father and his little girl and they were sitting there and there was a giant kangaroo sitting in the aisle and they were playing with the kangaroo and the, the mother walked up and she was very frustrated. She said, can I not count on you to get any of the things that we need? And I wanted to say, they're having fun with the kangaroo. Leave them alone. So we've got that going on, the busyness and the rushing around, but also trying to enjoy Christmas uh, in the moment. Hopefully you're finished with your shopping, and if you're not, remember, cash and a nice card is a good gift, because at this point, it's too late. (laughs) But on Christmas Eve, we need to stop. We need to slow down, and we need to remember why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. We need to rest. We need to breathe And we need to refocus our attention on what this season is all about. Christmas is all about love. God's love for us and our love for God and our love for one another. If you had to sum up all of the Christmas scriptures that we have read this month into one word, that word would be love. The love and the wisdom of the prophets in foretelling the birth of Christ. The love that Mary and Joseph had for the newborn baby that was born of God. The love that the wise men showed as they followed the star and brought their gifts. The love that the shepherds showed when they they responded to the angel and they traveled to Bethlehem. The love of God who sent his son into the world to give us life. John writes in his gospel this one verse that we all know well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. This verse sums up Christmas and Christianity. But what does it mean? What does it say to us? Is it simply a verse that we have recited so many times that we forget the powerful message and meaning that it contains? This verse reminds us that it was God who took the initiative at Christmas. It was God who sent his son into the world that he loved so much. It was God who knew that the world he had created was broken and needed to be restored. It was God who reached out to us in our lonely and confused state by sending Christ to teach us how to love, to teach us how to live and how to serve. This one simple verse shows us the width and the depth and the height of God's love. It says, for God so loved the world. Not just America, not just a particular church or denomination, not just a certain class or race, not just those who are always obedient and faithful, not just those who follow the rules, but God loved and still loved the world, the entire world. As one theologian put it, this act of grace was for everyone, the unlovable and the unlovely, 
the lonely who have no one else to love them, those who love God and those who never think of God, those who rest in the love of God and those who deny that God even exists, all are included in this unselfish act of grace. But Christmas is not just about God's love for us. It's also about the love that we are called to share with each other. It's not enough to just accept God's love, but we must then go and demonstrate that love in the way that we treat other people. But we live in a world where we know that it's sometimes difficult to love certain people. We live in a world where people are selfish, where people are looking out for their own interest, where people can be mean and hateful and rude and cruel, where it seems as though the nice guy sometimes gets pushed aside and finishes last. And sometimes if you put yourself out there and you make yourself vulnerable, you just might get used and abused by other people. John's gospel, the fourth gospel, is different from what we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew, we read about King Herod and the wise men and how they followed the star to Bethlehem to see the baby born in, in, in the manger. In Luke, we read about the, the shepherds in the fields watching their flight flock by night when lo, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified and the angel said, see, I bring you good news of a great joy to all the people but in John's gospel, we don't get a description of that first nativity. We get a more spiritual account of the incarnation and what it means. John begins by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, God is clearly a mystery. We spend our entire lives trying to grasp and understand God and who God is, and how we relate to God. I, I have a college degree, and a, a master's degree, and a, a, a doctoral degree, and guess what? I'm still trying to grasp and understand the mystery of God. But Christ coming into the world at Christmas opened up a window for us to see God, to experience God, and to understand that God's true nature is love, it was only when Jesus came to earth in human form that we became able to fully understand the true nature of God. Uh, up until that point, people were just kind of, you know, guessing. They were speculating. Some thought that God was judgmental. Some thought that God was vengeful. Some thought that God was angry. Some thought that God was, was, uh, was mad at the, at the people. But it turns out that none of these things were right. The God that we serve is a God of love. The God that we find in Jesus Christ. John goes on to say that the word was with God, meaning that there has always been a very close connection between Christ and God. And the only person who can tell us exactly what God is like and what God's will is for our lives is Christ himself. In other words, if we long to know God, we must listen to what Jesus has to say about God and about God's kingdom. God is hope and God is peace. God is joy and God is love. God is mercy and God is compassion and God is all about forgiveness 
and new beginnings. God is all about reconciliation and healing broken relationships. God is all about us looking out for each other and, and, and goodwill towards all, no matter what's happened in the past. I've always loved the story about the young girl who got a new paint set for Christmas. And that afternoon, she began to paint a great masterpiece of art. And watching very curiously, her mother asked her, Sweetie, what are you painting? And she said, I'm painting a picture of God. But nobody knows what God looks like, the mother replied. And undaunted by the thought, the little girl said, Well, they will when I get done. <laughs> you see, Jesus Christ shows us what God looks like and who God is. And there are some very distorted and, yes, I would say dangerous versions of God present in our culture and in our world. There are people who kill in the name of God. They don't get it. There are those who blow themselves up in the name of God. They don't get it. It's why a lot of people want to do away with religion because they see it as the problem. And when you have a distorted, twisted view of God, then religion does become a problem it does become dangerous, and yes, it can, and it has done a lot of damage. But the only antidote to that is healthy religion that's grounded in love and compassion and grace. I started reading a new book this week that just came out called Unafraid, written by a guy named Benjamin Corey. Corey grew up in a very rigid, a fundamentalist, hellfire and brimstone tradition but he got to a point where it just didn't work for him anymore. He'd had enough. And he rejected the notion of a fear-based God because it wasn't compatible with the life and the teachings of Jesus. He says in the book, we can hold a fear-based foundational understanding of God or a love-based understanding of God, but we cannot hold both. Love doesn't fear and fear can't love. Remember, if you're concept of God comes into contradiction with Jesus and what he said or did, go with Jesus. In the fourth chapter of 1 John, we read these words, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And the writer goes on to say, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. If we have fear in our lives, then we, we know that we still have work to do. And since all of us fear, because all of us are human, we still have work to do. There are a lot of emotions that happen at Christmas time. And they all kind of happen simultaneously. There's the, the joy and the magic of watching small children get ready for Santa. And watching that crazy little elf, ours name is Buddy, fly around the house at night and getting into mischief. There's also the, the loneliness and the pain of those who have lost a spouse or a loved one or who are going through a divorce or a separation. That is hard and that is lonely and sad. People remember Christmas's past. Maybe when you were growing up, where you're from, the house where you were born and raised, and, and maybe at that place, you know, life was, was simple. Life was not so crazy, not so complicated, unpredictable. And yes, I think that some people go through their lives the same way that they go through the Christmas season, 
tired, exhausted, anxious, overbooked, fearful. But that's not the life that God calls us to live. That's not the life that Christ taught us to live. Christmas should remind us that we are called to love others the same way that God loved us, unconditionally and wholeheartedly. Christmas is all about love, and life is all about love, and the message of Jesus is all about love. The poet said, love came down at Christmas. Love, all lovely love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars and angels gave the sign. The kind of love that we celebrate at Christmas is a love that says, I'll love you no matter what, no matter what you do or don't do, no matter what you have or don't have, no matter what you say or don't say. God didn't wait until we were good enough. But God reached out to us just as we are. And I think we're called to do the same to each other. Love is the light that John writes about in his gospel. Love is the light that shines in the darkness, whatever it might be. Isaiah says the people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who've lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Christmas is all about God's eternal light invading the darkness of the world through the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why we decorate with, with candles and lights, and that's why we sing with hope and joy the words to the carols, silent night, holy night, darkness flies, all is light, silent night, holy night, son of God, love's pure light. We sing, hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness, light, and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. The light of God in Christmas casts out the darkness of materialism and greed and competition and selfishness that sometimes dominates our world and it replaces it with spiritual values like love and thanksgiving and generosity. The light of God at Christmas casts out the darkness of ignorance and doubt, replaces it with the way, the truth, and the life. The light of God at Christmas casts out the darkness of hatred as seen in war and racism and prejudice, and it replaces such evils with peace on earth and goodwill to all people. It casts out the darkness of sorrow and despair, and it replaces it with comfort and joy and hope. So as we celebrate Christmas, both today and also tomorrow, let us remember that Christ is the everlasting light. And his light still shines in the darkness, no matter what our darkness might be, and everybody's is different. And the darkness will never overcome it. It will never overcome it. And that's the power of Christmas. At Christmas, we have the chance to change our hearts to change our minds, to change our relationships, to change the way that we see the world and the way that we see other people. At Christmas, we have the chance to open our hearts to let God in and to let Christ in, and that can change us forever. Let us pray. God, give us eyes this Christmas to see the Christmas star. And give us ears to hear the song of angels from afar. And with our eyes and ears attuned for a message from above, 
Let Christmas angels speak to us of hope and faith and love. Hope to light our pathway when the way ahead is dark. To sing through stormy days with the sweetness of a lark. And faith to trust in things unseen and know beyond all seeing that it is only in your love that we live and have our being. And love to break down barriers of color, race, and creed. To see and understand and help all those who are in need. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.